All right, as a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, this has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old. And I love in these crates, they actually have cards that say, here are activities or things you can do specific to Bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is. I love KiwiCo. There's always something new for kids to discover, like learning about the science of ice cream, engineering robots, or doing science experiments, which our kids have loved yes. recently. Sean is currently holding, as she said, the Colorful Chemistry Kit, which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids. They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. We got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors, and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids, and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess, so it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you, so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code COUPLE. In about 20 years, your adult children are going to be sitting in front of a therapist and the therapist is going to say, tell me about your parents. What did they teach you about marriage? What did they teach you about respect? Right now, you have an opportunity to shape their answer because they're going to say words. Right? <laughs> Why is it worth saving? Because, because of those words. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Today, we have from the Gottman Institute, Laura Heck and Zach Brittle, who are licensed family and marriage therapist and counselor. I'm really excited. We keep reiterating over and over again on the show that we love sharing with you guys our experiences, our relationship, and how we get through things. But we are by no means professionals or know what we are doing. So we brought in the professionals for you. Yeah, we like bringing on people who are qualified to actually give advice. And that's what Laura and Zach are here to do. They are certified by the Gottman Institute, which is an institute that has been doing research for dozens of years with thousands of couples. And you may have heard of a couple different research that they've done. They are well known for the four horsemen, which are like the four kind of early detection signs of unhealthy relationships. And also for the book, The Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work. So it's a couple, the Gottman Institute, Dr. John Gottman, the doctors Gottman yes. started the Gottman Institute. Yes. Um, but we're very glad that Zach and Laura, who are Gottman certified, came to join us. And we talked about a lot of different things, including why marriage is a cool yeah. form of relationship. And why relationship can be worth saving a lot of massive red flags within a relationship and kind of how to work through that. We actually went through kind of a live counseling session towards the end that was very beneficial. I actually asked them after our interview was over if they were taking on new clients because I liked them so much. Yeah, and they said they are not. So <laughs> yeah. they're actually doing a <laughs> workshop though. Um, in a couple of weeks, we'll link information to that down below. So check that out if you're interested. And also want to tease next week's episode because yes. this episode did inspire us to do a full show where we do counseling together. Yeah, we did a live therapy session with the shrink chicks who are awesome. Yeah. Again, we love therapy, whether you're in, in need of it, like you have an issue, or if you're just wanting to work through communication, I think it's always very healthy and very encouraging and a good thing to do no matter what. Yes. So thank you to Zach and Laura for joining us today. If you want to hear more from them and you enjoyed this episode, they actually have a podcast of their own called Marriage Therapy Radio. So we'll link that down below. And before we jump into it, do want to let you know that this podcast can be found on all the different platforms, including YouTube. We do a video form, which is uh, really fun. So you can join us over there and wherever you listen to the podcast, please subscribe to it and give it a rating. Uh, we really appreciate that. So without further ado, let's jump in with Laura. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with like the quality and the fit is near impossible. 
I told you guys that I found Skims while I was pregnant, and now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from Skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body. I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that Skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped. They truly have like sizes and qualities and styles for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast in the drop down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. And Zach. Zach Brittle, Laura Heck, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. We secured this interview through the Gottman Institute, which I would love to hear you explain what the Gottman Institute is and how important it is in the marriage landscape today. We're going to probably talk over each other, not not because, well, mostly because we think, I think I'm smarter than Zach. Zach thinks <laughs> I'm smarter than but uh so well just I'll- for clarity yeah so our <laughs> stick just our our stick okay here's the deal we um we host a podcast together it's called marriage therapy radio we are married but not to each other we are both certified gottman therapists we've spent about four years kind of in each other's space and so we're, we're kind of like brother and sister we spend a lot of time kind of interrupting each other stepping on each other making fun of each other and so a lot of people when we get reviews or whatever they're like zach's mean or laura doesn't listen or whatever <laughs> and all of that is true and it's kind of just the way we've learned to, <laughs> yeah. to, to to be in relationships so um that said we're happy to describe anything that you that you want but yeah we'll probably interrupt each other and i might be mean and laura laura doesn't really listen sometimes so okay is- <laughs> all right so, okay, here's here's what's up with the Gottman Institute is that the Gottman Institute was is really it's founded by doctors John and Julie Gottman. They're a married married duo. Dr. Gottman is world-renowned relationship researcher. He has Mr. Dr. Gottman, yeah. Mr. John Gottman. There's yeah. two doctors. There's two doctors Gottman. Yeah. So that's true. Yes. John Gottman, Julie Gottman. Okay. So he's, he's done over 40 years of research with couples with over 4,000 couples. And he studied relationships in a way that has never really before been done where he was really studying relationships in like a laboratory setting, um, which gave a lot of amazing information that is now really like the founding research that all other couples therapists are using around the world. You cannot get through a book or an article or any sort of um, relationship advice without stumbling upon the findings that Dr. Gottman found over the last 40 years. So the relationship Institute, the Gottman Institute is really a place where you can find resources for couples. You can train other therapists, which both uh, Zach and I have been trained as certified Gottman therapists. They host Mm -hmm. workshops. So the art and science of love is an amazing workshop. Actually, Zach and I are going to be teaching it this month, which is pretty cool. Yeah, pretty exciting about that. So um, the Institute continues to do research and we'll talk about some of the findings because I think it's pretty important to be able to ground your relationship, not just on an opinion of what somebody was able to do in their relationship, but really figure out like, what does relationship research have to say about it? That's good. The cool thing too about John is John Gottman is like John Julie, but John will describe himself as a mathematician, a researcher. Like he, that's, that's who he is. Um, and he met Julie, who is much more of an empath. She's like really great at sort of sort of communication and and trying to figure out how to reach people's hearts and souls. And the joke that he'll tell is he just had all this research and he was happy. He's like, I got math. I, I know how to do all this stuff. And she wanted to help people. And he didn't really want to help people. But then they compromised and decided to help people. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of how it goes. And so, yeah, they've just built this. The Institute helps couples and it also trains therapists. And so that's kind of the two pronged approach that they, that they're bringing to the table. And then we use the methodology that comes out of the research to sit down with actual couples in our offices and kind of walk them through, you know, what science says about relationships. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's it. She, he's more the scientist. She's more the artist. I guess that's, that's where that's that good. comes from. Here, here's why we're excited to talk to you. Okay. We decided to, to embark in the YouTube world and stumbled into like sharing about our dating and marriage and family yeah. 
life. And now it's turned into people want advice from us. And we try our hard, we try our hardest not to because we are not qualified. And we say that probably not every episode, but we try to. At least every other. And so you guys are actually professionals at this and we can ask you advice. And the good thing is, is it's research based. So that's why we're pumped to have you. And I I have to caveat every single time. My wife, uh, I've been married 24 years to my wife. She doesn't listen to the podcast anymore because her experience was like, yeah, you you don't do that stuff, that stuff that you say, that's not really you. So I have to caveat all the time by saying that professional uh, expertise is not the same as personal mastery. Mm. So I like that a lot. That's good. That is really good. Laura though, her marriage is airtight. She's got it down. So if you want to know who's like, who's, who's who's practicing what they're preaching, that's right. Mostly because it's my husband. It's not because of me. He's way more emotionally intelligent than I am. I just show up and take, he takes the reins. So, yeah. Is there, is there any, like, this is very stereotypical, but everybody says like, don't marry a therapist. Do you guys ever like find that within your marriages that you end up like analyzing your spouse more than you do? No, I would say don't become best friends with your therapist. Like I'm not, I I don't think it's great that Zach and I are, are good buddies. I mean, I think that that can get tough, but in um, I dig it. I think it's great to Wait, have be married. It's not to great me. that we're friends. I don't understand. Well, it's two therapists being friends. No. It struggles sometimes. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> what's the, um, what's the most common question you find from couples? Like what's the, the go-to, like, I guess, piece of advice or complaint. Yeah. Or complaint. What do you think, Zach? I think the thing right now that people are talking about a lot is this idea of feeling like we just feel like roommates. Like we're just yes. kind of going through the motions. Yes. Um, COVID has really done that to people. Like we used to have these really clean rhythms of like being able to come and go throughout our day. And like, mm-hmm. I, I could miss you. Like you would go away and then you would come back and I missed you during the day. But now I don't really, I don't really miss you because you're here all the time. And mm-hmm. I think that, that without the sort of the skills and even just the anticipation people dropped into these really kind of boring rhythms. And a lot of what I'm seeing in my office right now is we're, we're just sick of each other. Like it's just, there's no fun. There's no intimacy. There's no, there's like no novelty either. Yeah. We're snippy about everything all the time. And that is, that's really real for people, you know? So sounds like the the first couple months of having a child too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, how long have you guys been married? Six years, Uh, years. five and a half, five and a half. All right. Ready? I'm going to blow your mind. You ready for this? I'm going to blow your mind. (laughs) This idea that 50% of the marriages end in divorce, it's actually, it's a pretty popular idea, but it's actually most of us in the industry don't agree. They think that number is too high, that 50% is probably too high. But what we do know is that most marriages that end in divorce, they end inside of seven years. It's most common around year four, and there's usually a toddler in the mix. Yeah. And wow. it's because of all the things that you guys are living and doing right mm-hmm. now. It's because it's crazy and hectic and this isn't what you signed up for and our friendship isn't working and sex isn't the same and like all of that stuff piles up on people and until they learn how to kind of weather the curve a lot of people bail and i think what's cool about me getting to tell people that is i'm usually telling people who are asking for help Mm. Mm -hmm. the thing that those people who are divorcing don't do is ask for help Mm. and um so when you do that's i think it's a really cool skill and Sometimes that's asking for help from YouTube and sometimes it's a therapist and sometimes it's, you know, your mom's group at, but, but yeah, Yeah. that that little list that you just ripped through is like, hit me pretty. I mean, that was kind of what we're living right now, but is your, is your response and advice to that problem? to ask for help. Is that the, is that the answer? 100%. Yeah. So the thing that interesting too, like we're going to, we're going to share a whole bunch of research with you because this isn't like our own opinion. This is really what, what the Gottman Institute has to offer is this like breadth of research, but most couples, if they're divorcing within the seven year mark, most couples are not seeking therapy mm. until year six. So they're really waiting. Like those problems are kind of just like stewing and brewing over six years. And then that's when they come in for help. And, um, so yeah, I think when we get couples in our office, it's usually after a lot of resentment Mm. has built up a lot of bad habits and bad patterns. And that's really what we're trying to do is just kind of like rewind a little bit and get them into a healthier spot. So you guys are, you're in year six, five, six, six in year six. Yeah. We're, we're five and a half years. Five and a half. Wait, hold on. You got engaged. You knew each other 30. What? I'm confused by this math. I can't we're do math. In, right we're, now. we're in year six. <laughs> we're in. We're halfway through our six year of marriage. Is that what you're okay. thinking? Okay. No, we haven't hit six years. We're halfway through the sixth year. 
Am I it's saying like that your right? Your baby. Your baby is halfway <laughs> yeah. through its first year before it has its first birthday. Oh right? my like, gosh. All I know so, is we're coming up on our sixth anniversary yeah, in right April. On. But there we dated go. for two years. So you've been two married years. for five and a half years. I got this. I got you. There you yeah. go. Five and a half. <laughs> dated for two. We're engaged for nine months. Been married <laughs> yeah. five and a half. All right. And we have a we have an almost two year old and a two month year a two month yeah. old. Yeah. They're Almost terrible. two. Do you have two in diapers right now? We do. Oh yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. Well, we yeah. we struggled to get pregnant with our first, and so we uh-huh. figured we would struggle to get pregnant with our second. Yeah. And we got then pregnant on the first try. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I always love to ask lots of questions about that process, but I'm gonna go ahead and leave that to the mystery. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Here, I can explain it to you, Laura. I mean, it's pretty yeah. simple. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a high-level question, though, and yeah, I think okay. it's worth asking. Why is marriage something that's worth saving? It's interesting. I mean, I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm kind of curious, Zach, what you would say about this, but do you feel like people are giving up faster or sooner? I think so. I mean, I think we live in a world right now where the the stigma of divorce isn't as high and people, you know, have more options available to them. And um, sometimes they are wiser kind of about the cost benefit analysis. Um, and, and, you know, Andrew, I don't know if this is the, the right answer, but I, I'm not sure it is. You know, some marriages aren't necessarily worth saving because they totally they really don't allow you to be your best self. And I'm not pro- I'm not pro ending marriage at all. What I'm saying is if a marriage doesn't help you become a better version of yourself, then it's probably really worth asking the question of whether or not it's worth saving. Um, And I also think most marriages can help you become the best version of yourself. And that, and what, what, what needs to happen in that case is that people need to have a, a plan, right? They need to have a plan. They need to have a why that's a big business like cliche mm-hmm. right now, what's your why, mm-hmm. but like when you become statement. clear about your why, then you can, and you, you gain access to a plan, then it can become, it can just become fun. It's an, it can become an adventure. It can become rewarding. I mean, here's, here's a thing. I play this trick on my clients all the time and I'll play it to you right now. Your children, they're two and two and month, two and a half months or whatever. In about 20 years, your adult children are going to be sitting in front of a therapist and the therapist is going to say, tell me about your parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What, what was their relationship like? Mm-hmm. What was it like growing up in their house? What did they teach you about marriage? What did they teach you about respect? What did they teach you about conflict? Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now you have an opportunity to shape their answer because they're going to say words. <laughs> right? Words are going to come out of their mouth. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, you have, you have an opportunity right now to, to say, why is it worth saving? Because, because of those words, right? Those words could be really powerful um, and good and maybe change the world, which which I think is worth investing in for sure. Well, I, we're huge fans of marriage. And every mm-hmm. time I hear like these, you know, uh, self-improvement gurus or a self-help t- speaker, everything, all the concepts they're talking about, I feel like are best represented in marriage. Like, you know, sure. disciplines and long-term thinking and like all, there's a whole list we could go through. And marriage yeah. is, I think, a, a unique context to experience all those things in uh so i don't know those but i think the other side of that though is you we are lucky to be in a marriage where we both believe that where it's it's worth saving for us it's worth working for it's worth we we do feel like we bring out the better side or we try to challenge each other to bring out the better side of each other but given how many people you guys have worked with and how many couples you've worked with, is there, is there a piece of advice you would give to single people Mm. going searching for marriage, searching for a spouse that Mm -hmm. sets them up for a successful marriage so that later on down the road, they're not in a marriage where you're sitting in front of a therapist and saying, I don't know if this is worth saving because it's not for the better of both of you. I think Laura, you have a really good answer to this. I, if I think if it is what I think it is, I, I then I think you're the best person <laughs> to answer this question. Yeah, I love that you think you know how I'm going to respond. Um, my biggest piece, and it's funny because my my little sister is like out there right now in the dating mm. world, and you know she shared with me. She's like, yeah, I went on my third date and we decided we're going to delete our apps, and I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. don't delete your apps. But um, 
part of me wants her to date a lot to be able to, you know, like meet that person and, um, experience like what different type of conflict looks like in different relationships and how like your family of origins influence how you show up. But the number one reason why I was pumped was because I know that she has done the work to show up as her best self and figure out who she is before she gets into a relationship. I don't know if you thought that was what I was going to say, Zach, but yeah, it's not. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, a huge, I'm a huge like um, advocate of knowing who you are so that when you do get in a relationship, you can communicate about your wants, your needs, your desires. And if you don't know what those are for yourself, because you haven't a, you know, been by yourself for a while, experienced life, dated other people, you're not going to really understand what those things are. You're just kind of going to melt into the relationship. And I think a healthy relationship is two individuals that are sort of coexisting and have decided that they're going to do life together, but you have to be an individual first before you can become a a partnership. So, I I mean, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sean and I have been open about our journey with marriage counseling, and it's been really helpful for us. We all carry around different stressors, both big and small, and it's important to sort those out so they don't affect your relationships. I agree. And therapy is such a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. We've been meeting with the therapist individually and as a couple, and it's been a great way to sort through any stressors in the week and have better communication about how we're feeling, which is hard to do when you're busy with kids. BetterHelp is an incredible option if you're thinking of giving therapy a try. It's all online, so it's convenient and flexible with your schedule. It's also nice that you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, so you make sure it's a good fit for you. We would highly recommend trying it out. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com EastFam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash EastFam. My biggest piece. Well, we got to hear what Zach's... Okay. <laughs> yes, well, uh, I'll say two things. One is uh, 100% endorse that answer. I think, yeah, absolutely. You need to like do your own personal work. I mean, the people who struggle in my office, a lot of what we try to do, or what I try to do anyway, first is help them take responsibility for their own stuff. Like if they are defensive or if they are critical, like that's the starting point. Like you got to, you got to rein that in. And that's actually maybe a good segue to this piece of the research. That's pretty relevant around divorce. But what I thought you were going to say, Laura is Laura, um, Laura and her husband are really good friends. And she talks a lot about how, um, the basis of their, their origin story is that she married her best friend. Like she, they cultivated a very, uh, solid, just like camaraderie and regard and sort of playfulness that I think survives today. I got to spend a few days at their house last month. And um, so if, if I'm a single person and I'm looking to figure out who to like, how to be in a relationship with someone long-term, A, I got to get my own house in order, right? Like take care of my own stuff, but B like, don't, don't knock like, Oh, this person is like, we're really good friends, but I'm not attracted to them. Or I, this is a really good friend, but you know, I think of them like a brother, like those people, they stick around like that is, you know, my, I have two daughters and right now my, my wife's all about having them date the nerds, like date the nerd, date the theater, yes. date, the, date the computer geek. Like those guys are the ones that, that end up being, you know, the yes. awesome as I talked to two professional athletes. Like, I was a theater kid. I was a theater kid. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right on. So you yeah. were, you were kind of a nerd when we started dating. I'm not going to lie. In a, in a professional athlete since he was a nerd. Um, I was well, going I to think, say, I think her point is around like, don't chase the guy, the people who seem yeah. like they have it all. Yes. Mm. Right. Because maybe they haven't done the work of actually suffering through That's relationships good. and figuring out how to, be kind and be humble, you know, like, so I don't know, it's a stereotype, but that's what, that's what my wife's training our girls to do. Isn't that crazy that people don't figure out how to be kind? Like <laughs> yeah. just skipped yeah, over that is. part yeah. of life. Freaking, yeah. Anyway. I was going to say 30 years. <laughs> really? Yeah. He's still I, not kind. Um, I was going to say, Laura, that one, something you said kind of hit home for Andrew and I, when we started dating, we had both come off of relationships where we openly talked about this in like the first week that we dated that we felt like we were changing who we were for the other people so much so that we yeah. weren't ourselves anymore. And within the first week of dating, we we're like, you know what? I'm just going to be me. And if this works, it works. And if it doesn't, we're going to go separate ways. But we got so tired of, of camouflaging ourselves so the other person liked us that it was exhausting. And it was so freeing to get into a relationship and be like, take it or leave it. 
Yeah. yeah. We both, Laura and I both have a professional crush on a woman named Logan Yuri, who is um, kind of, she wrote a book called How to Not Die Alone. It's for people who are dating right now. And um, we got to talk to her on our podcast and she's just doing really great work and a lot of clever insights. But one thing that she said recently that kind of blew my mind was this idea of when you go out with your friends, like, like let's say Sean is going out with her new boyfriend and the three of us are with her and she's done. And she says, Hey, what did you think of my new, this date? What do you think about this guy? Logan's like, that's not the right, right question. The right question is, what did you think of me with this guy? Mm-hmm. Those of us, the three of us who love you really well. And mm-hmm. we already know you, like, did we sit there and watch you transform into another person? Mm-hmm. Or did we watch you go? No, you came out like that guy totally brought out the best. Like he, he sort of Mm. made you shine. Like, I think Mm. that's a really interesting observational question for your single friends, maybe who are listening and trying to figure out like, like is this the right fit for me? Yeah, that's good. My thought was Zach, I liked your answer to marriage because I think, I think there is an effect of becoming your best self, Mm -hmm. but I, I almost view it as like a derivative effect of like, Hey, if I, the goal of me marrying Sean is not like, Hey, let's, let's bring out the dopest version of Andrew. I guess it is. I don't know. That's that's interesting to think about. No, like if you really think about why did I marry you, it's interesting. Okay. Now, <laughs> well, I feel, like, I feel like I'm digging myself a hole. But it's not like uh-huh. it's it's ultimately not for my personal gain, right? It's like oh, it's a a derivative and secondary effect of me committing to the relationship. I don't know. That, yeah. that was my initial thoughts. I, I mean, well, I, it's like yeah, I married you because I like you, but I married you because I like me when I'm with you. That's yes. that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think ultimately when people like walk away from an experience or a date or whatever it might be, when, when you walk away and you're like, dang, I feel really good about myself when I'm with you, mm-hmm. that's where you start to say, I want to replicate that experience mm-hmm. as much as possible. But does that road end at a certain point? Cause like when you're, parenting i don't feel good <laughs> it does about you yeah, know what i'm the saying the reason like, that you the reason that you guys are struggling and the reason that that people kind of have a hard time weathering that toddler phase especially is that the friendship takes a dive mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like the friendship goes away because we're not going on dates regularly we're not getting enough sleep we're not getting you know we have this other person who we love and who's amazing that wants our attention and so we give them that attention and and they make us feel loved and so why would i why would i turn to you when i can turn to this snuggly you know warm cuddly thing that needs it all gives you know like dopamine so hits all the time snuggling that's, yeah i mean Dang. that's really it right the 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 antidote to sort of weathering that 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 phase and i think phase is a really important word for marriages like there's lots of phases right i've been married 24 years and i think we've been through four different marriages maybe five at this point like it's really important to represent to recognize mm. that you're just going through a moment but but this phase that that a lot of people uh, are in and it's kind of that four to six range four to seven range needs the friendship needs attention because it's not novel and fun and and you know yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. um interesting anymore um and that's a big part of you know what what the research reveals is that maintaining the friendship in specific ways sets you up for the rest right like i don't i don't tend to argue about bitter like petty stuff with people that i love and trust and that i that i that that i feel like are fond of me um Mm -hmm. but i will argue with you if i if i don't think that you like me very much i'll Mm -hmm. argue with you about the dishwasher and i'll go to i'll go to war over it (laughs) that sounds (laughs) that sounds familiar A conversation that we have a lot lately in this phase, because we remember having it with our daughter after she was born, the difference of identity that you take on as mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And something that we talk about a lot is we get very tired of just being mom and dad to each other and not husband and wife. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'll be like, I, I want you to see me as your wife and not just yeah. the mother of your children. And yeah. the compliments are are wonderful of like, you're such a good mom and stuff. But at the end of the day, since that friendship kind of takes a toll, you all you want to hear is like, I love that you're my husband. I'm attracted to you mm-hmm. as my husband and not just a father. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's something so that we work through. I think- well, actually, Sean, I think you're actually really good at that. I, like I said, I watched a handful of your videos and you're you're very good at letting Andrew know that you love him and that you're interested in him. And you're gent- and you t- like, I think that that's a, <laughs> if I were to if I were assessing. You know, yes, please. I would say, I would say, yeah, that's an area of strength. Apparently, at least that's, that's hardwired into you. And, and that's good to know, right? Like that, maybe that's even easy for you. And maybe it's not as easy for a man or for Andrew or for me or whatever, but learning how to do that stuff and almost inventorying like what works. So for example, maybe Andrew hates it when you 
he doesn't, but maybe he hates it when you say, I love you and put your hand on this. Like maybe that's a problem, but he loves it when you make him coffee, like learning how to make the coffee, even though it's easy for me to say, I love you. That's actually a, also a sign of love, right? It's kind of going out of a way to speak your language, which I think, you know, why wouldn't you do the thing that you're good at? Well, because sometimes it doesn't land for your partner. And so you mm -hmm. have to learn how to do the thing that they need. Um, which is, but I push it, Zach, I push it like even a little further of maybe not just husband and wife, but I have made a point that whenever I'm with somebody or I'm talking about my husband, I refer to him as my lover. It's just this switch in the way that I talk about him. Like, do you ever notice that when you're, you know, like talking to your daughter and you're like calling him dad. And even when they're not around, you're calling him dad. <laughs> he is not your dad. Like he is your yeah. lover. He's your intimate partner. And I think that the language that you use starts to settle in when you're like, yeah, this is, this is my, my lover. And people look at you kind of funny, but I think it's just a good way to shift it in your mind. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other piece is that there's a difference between adoration and appreciation. And I think especially right now, there's a lot of maybe appreciation that you're referring to of like, Hey, thanks so much for, you know, like getting up last night with the baby. Thanks so much for taking the garbage out. This is all appreciation of things that your partner does for you, mm -hmm. but you didn't marry Andrew because of the things he does for you. You married Andrew because of the person that he is that's adoration. And if we can continue to like verbalize, like I love you because you're incredibly generous. And here's how you showed up being generous in the last week that I just like took my breath away. Mm. Um, that's adoration. I think that it does, it goes a lot further in relationships when you're trying to get that spark back, especially if you're kind of like tired or you're falling into roommate syndrome is lean on adoration more than appreciation. I had a thought of uh, something I recently read from actually it was a rabbi rabbi Lapin, <laughs> and it, it kind of talks about what you just discussed and also how i actually feel about the purpose of of marriage he says he, he breaks down the uh, the parent child relationship and how oftentimes selfless acts create more adoration from the giver of the acts than the receiver so like the parents are oftentimes more committed to that relationship than the yeah. children are like if you look at mm -hmm. when kids grow up it's like there's there's a less lesser degree of commitment there. And that's where I feel like I can feel the best about myself if I'm most selfless. And that, that ultimately achieves that goal. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. that, that that's actually good. happening to you physiologically. It's not just emotional. Mm -hmm. It's like actually happening in your body. Generally when we, well, it's, and the reverse is also true. When we, when mm -hmm. we demonstrate contempt for others, mm -hmm. it generates stress hormones inside of our body. And it also generates stress hormones inside of our partner. When wow. we generate gratitude and appreciation and fondness, it, it generates stress reducing hormones inside of our body. And it, and it does that for our partners too. So contempt, I use that word on purpose. It's for example, one of what the research revealed is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So there are sort of four things that are divorce predictors, I guess. Mm -hmm. Contempt mm -hmm. is one of them. And contempt is basically, you know, whenever you're sort of spend time looking down on your partner and it's the most toxic because it's physiologically the worst for you. Like yeah. it actually affects your body, not just the, not just the, um, well, just I mean, the it, tone of the relationship. It yeah. got to the point too, where they were like, Andrew, if you were contemptuous, um, if you were contemptuous of Sean, then Sean would be much more, um, uh, susceptible to communicable diseases. Like it starts to erode away her actual immune crazy. system functioning, which is crazy. So like you asked the reason, like, why are we in marriages? Like, what's the point? If you're in a healthy relationship, it actually shows that like you are going to be healthier, Andrew, because you have a partner that is also like nurturing and taking care of you. But if you're in a bad relationship, it's actually eroding away your physical health. Wow. Yeah, you're actually going to live longer. You're going to yeah. live longer. If uh, married people, married live people live longer. Yeah. So, Wait, I just read an article. It might've been from the Gottman Institute about how the biggest indicator of five major health conditions, like heart disease. And I don't know, there's four other yes. ones is a bad relationship. I think it was directly with your yeah. father, or maybe it was talking about like any bad toxic yeah. relationship yeah, in your yeah, life, yeah, yeah. but it's like, what? I I've seen a piece of that for sure. That's crazy. Yeah. I know the Gottman Institute is super well known for the four horsemen. Mm -hmm. Can you yeah. talk yeah. about those and what they are? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so just like kind of rattling them off. So there's, there's really these like four behaviors that Dr. Gottman was able to take a look at. So he was able to look at groups of people, um, of couples, and he sort of labeled one group, the masters of relationships. And these are going to be the folks that are married and relatively happy. I mean, the bar was fairly low, but then you have the disasters of relationships. And these are people who were either married and really unhappy or their relationships uh, dissolved over time. And he looked at, you know, what are the common factors in these relationships that eroded over time? And he really identified these four particular uh, behaviors. So we have criticism, defensiveness, and those are usually married. Like if one of you, and I'm kind of curious from each of you, as we're talking about the four horsemen, like what shows up in your relationship, um, because here we goes, all have here goes the other 50%. It's <laughs> right now. We all have uh, yeah. these behaviors in our relationships. And so generally a criticizer is generally married to a defensive human being. Um, it's just sort of the law of the land, the Dang. nature of how it goes. Or right? they draw it out at each other. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. Crazy. So you have criticism and defensiveness, and then you have stonewalling and then contempt, which is what Zach just talked about. Are those married to too? Not usually. You will find, well, I mean, gosh, not as often as criticism and defensiveness, to be honest. Like those ones are, and, and actually they show up in just about every relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so we all have though, all of them. Um, exactly. And the, 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 it's not that it's not that they're present. That's the problem. It's that they're present and uncorrected or unchecked. Mm. You know, yeah. that's the, the thing. But I think, Andrew, I think if I remember correctly, women tend to be critical and contemptuous. Men tend to be defensive and stonewalling. So that's Sounds right. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the, the deal with criticism is that it's really just we need to have a, a relationship where you can identify a problem or an issue or how I put it is it's most often you just have a want, wish, need, or desire. And we have to be able to communicate that to our partner and it's going to come out as a complaint. And what ends up happening with criticism is that you take a problem in the relationship, but you make it about your partner. And now it's a character defect in Mm. your partner. That's Mm. the critical nature. So that's tough because obviously if you feel like your partner is attacking you or being critical, what's the natural thing to do. It's like to defend yourself. Right. Um, and so that's where that tends to be married in relationships. So you're like nodding your head. Are you critical in the relationship from time to time? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah, Sean. Yeah. And I'm sitting there I, thinking yeah. like, when is the last freaking time I brought something up to you? Like I, yeah. I have issues with you too, but well, I don't freaking talk about them. Like, can we okay, well, Andrew, all the time, all the time, like, but go ahead. Yeah. Andrew, when you played football, what position did you play? Uh, long snapper. Oh, right on. Oh, I yeah. love long. I, I have a question I was for you. I have a, I have a long snapper friend. I was wondering if you knew him, but anyway, we'll talk later. Okay. But, um, <laughs> okay. So, so I get to talk about defensiveness. Yeah. Is that cool? Can I do that? <laughs> That's my favorite. Cause I am. I'm personally defensive. Me, Zach, like that's part of what I said. It took me 30 years. Like I, about, about, about when I was 30, my wife was like, I can't do this like this anymore. Like this isn't sustainable. <clears throat> and she was talking about that part of my, my approach to just being in a relationship. And, but you know, what, what defensive defensiveness generally is, is people, they tend to take the wrong amount of responsibility. So they either take no responsibility at all. Like they counterattack or they'll take a hundred percent and they become martyrs. Right. So mm-hmm. if a defensive person is like, fine, I got it. You don't worry about it. I'll take care of this. It's not your thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I guess, I guess look. it's always my fault. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, never it right. I have a lot of empathy for defensive <laughs> people because it's me. Right. But um, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Pause. It's like a verbatim phase. Happened? that happens. Just happened? <laughs> I, I feel like I'm realizing we're both critical and defensive. Uh-huh. Sure so are. I, because I usually start the criticism of whether it's with parenting or whether it's with like household chores or whatever. That's usually my go-to is like, it starts as a complaint or a request that I don't know how to verbalize and becomes as criticism or I would guess is interpreted as criticism. Um, And he'll get baseline defensive. Yeah. And then his criticism will come out and I go, I go all in, I go martyr. She's like, I, yeah. like whatever yeah, you like, just it's said, she says yeah, that. It's all <laughs> yes, I can never do it right. Whatever yeah. you say, honey. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, me. That's so here's a, here's a, I'm going to give you a, uh, like a bonus, but I think it's really good that you can name that, right? The fact that you can sort of map that out a little bit is really healthy because if you can map it out, we can know that it's kind of boring. I mean, that's sort of boring what you just <laughs> described because you know, it's going to happen. It happens every time. It's not interesting. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. not, it's not fun. So let's change it. 
Let's just change. Let's do something else. I literally was working with a couple one time and they were mm-hmm. kind of doing exactly that. And it was his turn to talk. And I had built this alliance with the wife. So she and I were ready. We were like ready for the next thing. And she and and I stopped him. And I said, Tony, stop, stop. Say anything else. We know we know what you're going to say. We both of us already know exactly what you're gonna, everybody in the room. Dang. And he just he stopped for a second and he said, do you remember what he said, Laura? Was it Cocoa Puffs? No, it's Fruity Pebbles. He said, I really love Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> And it changed the entire tone. She went, yeah. huh? And she laughed and giggled anyway. But, but, but back to the part about defensiveness, the thing that defensive people need to learn to do is to take anywhere from one to 99%, mm-hmm. even 1% changes the conversation, right? 1% is you might be right. Or I never thought about it that way. And I think, you know, those of us who, and I, and I believe this is me right now, those of us who are really good at being defensive. This is the reason I asked you about football, because if you think about really good linebackers or safeties they're good at it because they're patient. They're good at it because they recognize the difference between a a perceived threat and an actual threat. They're good at it because they study ahead of time, like really good defensive players. They're not good at tackling. They're good at making sure you never get the ball in the first place. Mm. And so those of us who identify as defensive, part of it is just to learn how to be patient and, and, and smart and willing to belay the impulse to tackle perhaps, or counterattack long Mm -hmm. enough to go, oh, maybe there's something here that I ought to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And when we can begin to do that, that's me taking responsibility for my stuff back to what we talked about at the beginning. And when we start to do it together, that's us protecting our relationship from those four horsemen out there, right? That's us saying we we're not boring. We're not regular. We're not normal. We're actually really good at identifying an external threat and protecting us from that. So Mm. sometimes that's the defensive person learning to say to the criticizer, Hey, I know you're unhappy. Sounds like you're trying to ask me for something right now. I'm feeling defensive. Do you think you could just ask me a question? Because that way maybe we'll get to the root of this. All of a sudden we're all of a sudden we've changed the whole game. And that I think is where the Gottman method in particular gives people really clear roadmap for how Mm. to, to, to do do it differently. Yeah, yeah. Do it differently. Yeah. I, I think that's a big deal is just, it's, it's about, <laughs> it's actually kind of scary. I mean, when, when Dr. Gottman's book, I have it. So it's like the seven principles um, mm-hmm. came out seven principles for making marriage work. A lot of people read the first three <clears throat> chapters, which is all about divorce prediction. Pretty gloomy. It's, about, <laughs> it's pretty doom and gloom. Um, and the whole idea with Gottman method is yeah, we're not, nobody's doing it right. We don't have models of how to do it right. We've come out of relationships where we weren't doing it right. We're in a new relationship, but it's really just about interrupting these patterns that we know are eventually going to erode away. Maybe not today, mm. but if left unattended to for the next several years, it's going to erode away your friendship and erode away at your joy in the relationship where you stop showing up as your best self. And so it's really about just identifying those and saying, do this instead. So like Sean, you mentioned criticism. I try to bring issues up as you know gently as possible, but they're perceived as maybe being threatening or critical. And it's really all about like, just a trick is like, just start the sentence with I rather than you. I mean, the moment you say like you, it's like pointing your finger at your partner and saying, you're the problem rather than, Hey, there's this thing that is not really settling well with me. And it kind of makes me feel this way. And I'd really love it if this happened instead, that's super gentle. That's the antidote to criticism. And so Mm. it's really just about figuring out how to do it differently and do it in a gentle way. The beginning is actually, it's actually, I feel, but what it's (laughs) definitely not is I feel like, and it's definitely not, I feel like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like you don't pay attention to me when I'm talking. Like that's not a feeling. That's a like that's you a never that's a take me out on date. <laughs> so I have uh, two questions. Um, okay, we're probably gonna go over time, just so you know, because I'm enjoying this. <laughs> One is we have tried to set this cadence of monthly checkups, mm-hmm. with the purpose being, and on my end, to have an area where I know Sean's gonna criticize me. Cause I feel like when we're in the moment of like the dishes being done, freaking it's going to end in an argument. If you say you never do the dishes and I'm like, can we not talk about it live? Right. Yeah. Is that a thing? Yes. A hundred percent. And it's interesting because we talk about like, let's say that the two of you are getting frisky and, um, Sean, I'm going to get like frisky in a good way, frisky in a good way. Yeah. (laughs) Sweet love in the bedroom and maybe things just don't since having a baby and like, you don't feel the same about your body and you like of something that you used to like, doesn't smell as good and sexy to you as it used to be. So the time to talk about that sexual experience is not right after you're done. And you're like, Oh, that was 
talk about it is after the fact, like when you are ready to, when you're on a walk and like you, like the, you've got a kid on a bike, you got a kid in a stroller and you're like, Hey, um, about us, like getting frisky that like, didn't actually go well for me. And here's what I was thinking would really go better. Or here are the things that I really, really liked that you did, um, and lean more into that. But yeah, I totally bothering you. Like, don't talk about them in the moment, make sure that you're showing up as your best self when you do take on that conversations Mm. meeting or your like state of the union of the relationship, you can prep for that. You're like, you know what? I'm going to work out ahead of time. So I'm in a really good mood and I've got, I'm going to make sure that I'm done with my inbox. So I'm not thinking about work. I'm going to show up to this ready for whatever you have to bring to the table. I'm going to, um, I'll I'll add something to you and it's a little bit of a plug, but, um, this thing that we're teaching the art and science of love, it's, I think, I think maybe it's after or it's before this podcast comes out or whatever, but it's five times a year, I think. And one of the things that I like about it um, is that during that event, you learn about five different conversations to have on purpose mm-hmm. and they have different purposes. So for example, the first one is about stress reduction, learn how to have a conversation for the purpose of reducing stress. That's a really important that sometimes we don't know how to do that because my partner says, Oh, I'm stressed out. And what we say instead is, well, did you think about this? And maybe, and maybe you should call and have you tried. And that's not stress reducing. That's actually stress increasing. So part of it is learning how to label the conversation. So to your point, Andrew, like, I think if there's a spot in your relationship where, Hey, I need to have a spot where on purpose, I hear about the things that are on your mind, Mm -hmm. like that, that are bothering you or that you need me to correct or redirect. Like we can learn how to do that. And the cool thing about that is let's say you have it once a month or once a week, and it shouldn't be like a bitch session. Like there should be really rules about it, which is cool. That we do. Yeah, we but, do. But here's the reality. If, if Sean, for example, knows that every Sunday night, she's going to get 45 minutes of your undivided attention to talk about what's on her mind. Then on Thursday, when you do something wrong with the dishes, she doesn't have to tell you right then. She can wait. She can know that I can wait till Sunday mm. and chances are she'll forget between Thursday and Sunday. <laughs> Because the main thing is I know that I can talk about this. Yeah. Mm. And when I know that I can talk about this, maybe I don't need to. I was going to say, I think that's actually, that actually makes a lot of sense given the phase we're in is I think a lot of our bickering comes because we don't know, we don't one get any time with each other and know when the next time is going to be. Yeah. So it's like my only shot is maybe in the next two minutes. Yeah. Or you'll say something like, Hey, 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 did you, did you make that deposit at the bank? And we don't, we don't know what the rest of the, the sentence is. Like, is it you lazy bum or because I just wrote yeah. a check that we need to cover or because I think the check's in my purse and I, and I hope that I didn't make that bad for you. Like we don't, if, we, if you don't know, then I just get to make up a story about why you're asking me that question. And if I'm in a bad mood, if I'm hungry, right. angry, lonely, or tired, I'm just going to like, be like, no, I'll get to it. Jesus. Why are you asking me again? I told you like, and all of a sudden, it's just not not a thing. That's hungry, angry, lonely, tired, but it's it's halt. Were you just doing this? That was good. Uh, yeah. Hungry is oftentimes yeah. where where I live. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, but here's the other thing too, right? If you get to if your friendship is strong and you know that your partner is doing their work, if I look across relationships and and I know that you're doing your personal work, the thing that we've talked about already, and then you you snap at me, I can go, wait a second, I'm gonna I can go, I'm gonna snap back. I can be like, ah, snap back. Or I can go, hey, do you need a sandwich? Like, what's going on? Because this isn't you. Like, can I get you a sandwich? And I'm not, I mean, I don't mean to be trite about it, but if I can look at you and go, hey, you, your best you doesn't treat me like this. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you need something other than mm. me to show up and not my best me. Um, and it might be a nap, it might be a sandwich. It might mean just to go for a walk without the kids. Like, who knows? But it's a clue, right? My partner misbehaving or acting out is a clue. <laughs> not necessarily... I think so. So what I say to defensive people all the time is feeling the attacked isn't the same as being attacked. Mm, it's good. Right. Yeah. I mean, the feeling and the response to go, maybe there's something else going on here that I need to pay attention to. Okay. People who are really good at being defensive. I have yes. two questions. Yeah. And okay. <laughs> maybe loaded. They're maybe loaded to what you're just saying, Zach, patient people may be able to realize that there's something else going on there. How I feel like the the better you get to know your spouse year after year, yeah. you start to you start to notice when there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a tendency between us <laughs> is we haven't even addressed it internally, but right. we can tell we can we can yeah. feel it in each other. And so when those when those rifts and those arguments start, whether it's me going to him or I, I could say, 
Andrew, I know something's wrong yeah. and it's not this, it's not dinner. It's not the dishes. It's not, there's something else. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you address that as a partner? <laughs> Without it coming like what? What's I feel like it often, you? exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So what you're talking about, Sean, is emotional intelligence. I mean, what you're doing is amazing. It's just being able to. We need less of that, Laura. (laughs) Can we tone that down? Just. It's good. But I mean, there's another facet of emotional intelligence, which is knowing yourself, like being in relationship with yourself, recognizing what's going on for you, but then also being in relationship with going on for them. And, um, you know, there's something we say a lot, which is all about curiosity of just coming across in a curious nature of like, Hey, and I love this phrase. I think that Brene Brown uses it a lot as therapists use it a lot. And it's the story I'm telling myself. And so you could start and just be mm-hmm. like, Hey, like the story I'm telling myself is that you, there's something going on for you. I think you're stressed out, but I'm not really sure. I'm just curious. Like what do you, what is going on in your life? But it's so interesting. Cause then it's like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. And then she's like, Oh, well, he's being defensive or, or but like, I uh, know there is, but yeah. And, I think and then Andrew, it's an yeah. argument to that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well to that though, like even that response right there was like, I would label it defensive because you didn't there if you put a pause in and you go maybe there is something wrong with me doesn't mean there is it means i hear you i hear mm-hmm. i validate what you're saying i respect that you're my partner mm. one of the things that's that this is the other part that i would give you it's is crazy dude. one of the things that's really <laughs> awesome about being a therapist is uh, i get to do this stuff right i get to go no i think you actually just said it wrong like that's not the right like but there the, what's built into that is consent like people pay me money and they come into my office and they take time out of their day to ask me to tell them what is going on. And we don't often get that consent from our partners. So Sean wants to come in and go, Hey, here's what I think is going on, but you don't have consent yet. And Mm -hmm. so part of what you may need to do is go, Hey, I have a theory. Can can I test it with you? And then he gets to go, sure, test it. And then, and then the theory is out there. And then maybe Andrew, you get to go, Oh um, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like anything's wrong, but Mm. I mean, you know me better than anybody. So I'll check it out. Like that could be, that could be the pivot, right? On that note, and we actually just did a live stream this morning. Someone asked this question and Sean and Andrew are freaking terrible at this. I think it's an art. (laughs) How do you transition out of an argument? Yeah. Like what's okay. I love you. I'm sorry. Uh, we're freaking, and I will will also add all of the advice. So both of you, (laughs) I will also add to that. I'm a fighter. So like, it's hard for me to turn fighting off. Yeah. I just like, when the gloves come out, it's like, let's do it. Let's just go. But there's a, there's a tipping point for you, Sean, where the gloves are still on. Like there's a part of you that can stay in the conversation as your best self, where you're still like gentle and you're still empathetic and you're still humorous and you still like have compassion. But so Dr. Gottman noticed that there really is like a tipping point that folks go through where you go into fight or flight, where the gloves come off and you're like, we are in this. And for most people, it's right around hundred beats per minute. So like if we're exercising, our heart rate is going to go up, but our resting heart rate for most, you know, healthy average human beings is going to be like between like 50 and 70. So it's going to take a bit for your heart rate to reach up and over hundred beats per minute. When you go into what's mm. called diffused physiological arousal. And that's when you're like, we are on, we're in this, but the whole idea is to keep you at the point before you take out what Dr. Gottman calls repairs. He says that this is like a healthy, happy relationships and repairs are really just these like little minor adjustments that you're making in your conversation that keep you from escalating to the point where you are emotionally flooded and you're ready to take your gloves off and go to battle. There's all sorts of phrases that you could use. And you guys actually probably have a lot of repairs that you're using. And it's things like, I'm sorry, I actually use this one with Zach. Do you remember what I said to you earlier today? I said, Hey, I had a really tough time sleeping last night and I know that, um, I'm going to be irritable with you. And I just want to apologize in advance. It's sort of like these phrases of like, Ooh, that came out wrong. Do you think maybe I could like, can I rephrase that? Or, mm. Ooh, that was like a dagger. Can you be a little more gentle with me? It's all of these little moments where you're just correcting the conversation so that it doesn't end up in a full on brawl. But if it does end up being a brawl, that's where you like do the moonwalk exit stage left. And you're just like, I think we need to take a break. This one, this isn't going well. And Mm. anything beyond this point is just going to end up 
in a massive fight. We're just, it's not going to go well. What were you going to say, Zach? Uh, I was going to have a lot. I got a lot. I know, um, right? <laughs> Wordy, Give but, it um, to us. What do you got? Here's the thing about you're a fighter. Sure. You're a fighter, but you're also a dancer, right? Like I know this, I've watched you dance and you know that choreography is a thing. And in fact, most combat is choreography. Mm-hmm. Most combat is not just pugilistic. Let's take the gloves off and do this. It's mostly mm-hmm. a, it's a response and interaction. And part of it is learning to think about your arguments as choreography, not combat. And that means, you know, you're going to try and play each other to create something like, here's the thing that I think is really cool. If you do combat really well, or sorry, if you do conflict really well, what's on the other side, if you do it really well, what's on the other side connection, it's makeup sex, right? That's, that's called makeup (laughs) sex for a reason. Um, And so if you do it really well, what you're doing is you're sort of respecting the battle and respecting the opponent. Those of us who are combative or who are fighters, that becomes a problem. And one of the ways you can respect the battle is to realize that you're in over your head. One or both of you are in over your head. And so the moonwalk thing, I actually prefer to what Laura did with me this morning, because what Laura did with me this morning was a very relational, self-aware in the moment thing. And it changed my brain because I was was kind of getting annoyed and I was sort of Yeah, I was kind of getting annoyed and I was sort of like, don't talk to me like this and blah, 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 because we do that. And then she said that and I literally went, "Uh uh-huh. And that was it. The whole thing was over. But but the moonwalk thing, what it does is it gives you permission to exit without having to be emotionally intelligent. And sometimes that's a hand signal. It could be a code word. In my house, we have a restaurant near our house called the Royal Unicorn that if one of us says it in a social setting, it means I got to go to the bathroom. And and what it means is for my teenage daughter in particular, you need to go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom, calm your shit down, yeah. pull it together, stop behaving like this and come back when you're ready. But it, but it keeps me from being at the dinner table and going, Hey, you're acting out. Don't do that. It's disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. And we have a lot of cousins. So she, this is when we use it the most. I'm like, go to the bathroom. But that little tiny code interrupts the, the inertia that sometimes getting in the combat can create because it's, there's no, you know, I don't know what I, I mean. That's why, they, that's why boxing matches have bells, right? Like ding, ding, <laughs> take a break. <laughs> that's so interesting. I'm, uh, oftentimes I feel like an argument doesn't end with us unless there's tears and it's like, right. once there's tears, then it's like, Oh, I hug, I hug mm-hmm. you and I love you and I'm sorry. And then it's, we can proceed yeah. from there slowly is typically how it goes, mm-hmm. but well, that's really good. And I also think like observation from our side of when we argue, I, I, I feel like when, when we argue, we tend to go cold towards each other ah, yeah. That's the instead of, case. instead of sympathetic or empathetic of any kind, it's, it's, we just get colder and colder and colder. So that mm. transition out of an argument is very, is very hard for us because by the time we've gotten to the end of it, we're so yeah. shut off that neither of us feel loved. Mm. So it makes yeah. it very hard for us to transition. And so I think the so, tears usually yeah. come from a desperation of, we just want connection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I I will say a lot. I'll say this a hundred times. Like repair is more important than resolve. Repair is more important than resolve. Repair is more important than resolve. Most of us want to resolve our stuff. We want, Mm -hmm. because resolution feels like the goal to us. But again, the research revealed that about two thirds of what you have going on in your relationship is unresolvable. It is baked in. It is not going away. It is going to be there it was there five years ago. It's going to be there five years from now. You know, Mm. you're never going to have some of the core hardwiring that you have and people bang their heads against the wall forever trying to resolve that stuff. I want to change you. I want to do that. Well, you're not gonna like, it is a, it is a waste of energy and it creates more conflict than it, than it doesn't. So if you focus on repair, meaning exactly what you said, let's make sure that we stay connected. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can create a new perspective about the thing that's unresolvable. So mm. we put a question on our Instagram page. I think it was, what's the worst marriage advice you, you got? Can you imagine the, the number one answer? Go to bed the angry. Worst marriage advice. What, what is it? Or don't go to bed angry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Don't go to bed angry. Yeah. It is huh. terrible. Yeah. It's terrible advice. Go to huh. bed angry. Go to bed and, angry. And go to bed in separate in separate beds. This isn't Dr. Gottman's research, but I think it really makes sense of like, you know, <sighs> Here's the thing. I love keeping like the bedroom sacred and that's sacred. It's a sacred space. If you're irritated and angry and you're frustrated, I wouldn't necessarily want to bring that energy into the bedroom. Like if you're just calling, you're saying like, ding, 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 like, Hey, we've really had a tough time. Let's sleep on it. Let's Mm. eat on it. Let's like take a little break, get back to our best selves. And if that means that you are, you know, going to another room so that you can kind of fuel up on yourself and come back and, and then have that resolve have that repair with your partner a-okay but that is laura heck advice right there is be okay sleeping in another room 
Well, it, it can actually be respectful, right? Cause maybe you wake up in the morning and go, do we still need to do this? And you go, no, yeah. I just needed it. I just needed to go to sleep sleep. Cause I was, I was tired, right? H A L T. I was tired. <laughs> it's so interesting. You, you mentioned, uh, or you phrased something at the beginning, Zach, that I found interesting. You said, uh, like how I do relationships, how I am in relationships. And it how got I me am thinking, Zach or how I am Andrew. Well, I, you said it as you were Zach, but like, okay. it is okay. interesting, this idea of like, you know, we're Andrew is like a personality, but then he gets hijacked in different situations, whether it's in like marriage or like friendships or in uh, competitive environments. Yeah. And it's like just the having the ability to, someone said, be both the performer and the audience as you're living your life of like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm experiencing this frustration in marriage, but I need to have the self-awareness of this is, you know, what, what happens when I do like when I'm in conflict, it, it's mm -hmm. interesting. Cause like, you, it's like, we're getting hijacked by our emotions or our mm -hmm. hunger. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's weird. But. Well, and the psychobabble version of that is like, who, who am I talking to? Am I talking to Andrew? Am I talking to Andy? Am I talking to a dog? Am I talking to just, you know, like who am I talking to? Because those are all different people. And what I want is my lover, right? That's, I want to talk mm -hmm. to that guy. Can I have that guy? Um, and maybe the answer is no, I'm still distracted about work or, and I just, I just woke up or I mm. just, but, but you, but he'll show up later. He'll be here at lunch. Mm -hmm. You know, that if Sean knows that, that she can get her lover at lunchtime, then maybe she doesn't try to like force him out during breakfast, Dang. you know? That takes strategy though. And like, set yeah, up it, and does. Freaking, it does. It does. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Choreography, if you will. Yeah. Bring it up. I, I feel like I could ask a million more questions because you're hitting like every everything <laughs> that we've ever argued about. I'm like all the different hats that we wear in a day, the toddler stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's really yeah. good. Yeah. Huh. Well, I think, huh. you know, yeah, there's nothing new under the sun, man. People are all dealing with this stuff. It's, it's hard for everybody. And I think, again, one of the things you guys are really doing that's adding value is giving people access to help. And even if it's just an honest conversation about, I don't, this isn't what I signed up for. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's sign up for something else. And yeah. some people choose to sign up for something else, meaning I'm going to opt out of this relationship. But, but those of us who are committed to the process, you know, like I said, I've been married to the same woman four different times and <laughs> we had to like negotiate new terms as we entered new phases. And, mm. you know, part of that is just learning how to be in the phase you're in and then when it's time, like, for example, do you guys know if you're done having children, do you have any idea? Uh, maybe that's too personal of a question. That is a it's very personal. personal question. Oh, that sounds too personal. Yeah. It's okay. Well, okay. We get asked it know. a million times a day. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. So, but if you did know, for example, if you're like, yep, vasectomy, uh, all done, whatever, you're in a new phase all of a sudden, right? We're no longer growing our family. Mm. This is our family. And this is the unit we're working with until you know, they turn 18 or mm -hmm. something. That's a different phase. The phase of still expanding your family is unknown. It's unclear. Like, we don't know. Maybe we're going to have babies. Maybe we're not. Like, maybe we're going to try and be unsuccessful, or maybe we're going to accidentally, like, that's a different phase. But, you know, once you, once you can sort of label and clear the hurdles of the phases, mm. you can behave differently. And that does take strategy to your point, Andrew. So <clears throat> you mentioned, you know, we, we try to provide help for people. Our goal I'll say it again, is we do not give advice because no. we are not professionals no. nor qualified to do that. That's why we uh, do live therapy sessions. If anything, <laughs> you know, maybe people listen to our conversations and they're like, wow, Sean and Andrew are really messed up and I'm glad we're not like that. And that's a win for us. That would be great. Uh, but how can people get help from, um, from your camp, if you will? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think first of all, if, like if folks are thinking, I'm not really sure if like therapy because oftentimes you have one partner that is like game on love their partners, like begrudgingly just showing up, but not really invested. I think a great entry into that would do, do a couple's workshop. It is like really low stakes. You can sit on your couch with your, with your dog and do a live virtual workshop with Zach and myself. It's called the art and science of love. Our next one is on October 23rd and 24th. You can find it gotman.com forward slash MTR. We'll be there. That'd there. be awesome. We'll, we'll give you the, the homie hookup. How about that? Hey. Um, yes. So my son was going, yes. The other day I was like, that is, he's six years old. I loved <laughs> yeah. it. Um, so that's one way, but I think, you know, if, if you're someone who found you through podcast, through YouTube, if you're into taking in information like that, um, Zach and I are always, we're about, I don't know, maybe 40% information and 60% entertainment on our podcast. <laughs> oh, I'd put, I'd flip it over. You would flip it over. All right. Maybe 60% intelligent yeah. information, which is, <laughs> right. 
Um, and so our podcast is a great place to go. It's marriage therapy radio. I think a really good entry too, is the book that I had mentioned that Dr. Gottman wrote. It's a New York times bestseller. It's been around for a long time, um, recently updated with new research, but it's called the seven principles for making marriage work. And that's really just like an overview of the foundational relationship skills that every couple can integrate into their relationship. Yeah. And I would say do anything, do anything at all. Anything. Like it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter if you're feeling like roommates and you're stuck, just switch it up. Mm. I mean, you can, you can subscribe to date night in a box. You can, you know, listen to podcasts. You can uh, try a new show. You can switch sides of the bed. I mean, shoot, we, you, you know, sleep on the other side of the bed tonight, just anything because yeah. part of what part of the trauma of relationships is we're just in a rut. We're in the same, we're in the same thing. We're telling mm. the same stories over and over again. Cause we have, you know, 500 words and, you know, a podcast will give you 10 more and a book will give you 30 more and, you know, switching sides of the bed, it'll give you a few more. And, and then when you have more words, you can tell, you know, a truer, more textured, more layered story about what's really going on. You know, Dang. Um, that, that, that'd be my advice is, you know, do anything at all, I like that but yes, lot. also follow us on Instagram at the marriage therapy, <laughs> uh, marriage therapy radio. We'll, we'll Instagram. link everything that Zach and Laura just yeah. mentioned down below, including, <laughs> including the workshop, but we should, we should do, the plan was to do a live therapy session. Kind of did oh, it, dang. didn't quite, but we'll do a part two. How about that? Can yeah. you guys, are you guys yeah, down for that? This it. was yeah, fun. And uh, we're thankful you guys took the time to talk to us. So thank you. Yeah. yeah thanks for no. having us.